You are tuned to the Nahum Siegel Network on jmandtheam.org and nachumsegel.com. Stay tuned for JM Sunday with Matis Weingast.
Good morning, everyone, and welcome to JM Sunday right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm your host, Matis Weingast, and today is April 6th, 2014, 6th a day in the month of Adar, 5774. One week from today, B'dikas Chametz, one week from tomorrow, the first Seder of Pesach, coming up very quickly. If you're studying Dafyomi, you're in Mesechas Beitza or Beya, Daf 7. Today it's going to be a nice day here in the uh, North Jersey area. 59 degrees is the expected high, dipping down to 38 degrees tonight and mostly clear. 34 degrees right now. And in Yushalayim, it's sunny and 80 degrees, going down to 62. Thanks for joining me this morning on a Sunday. I know it's going to be a busy time for many, many families who are going to be home for Pesach and uh, cleaning. Even if you're going to be away for Pesach, you'll probably still do some cleaning, depending on how long for how long you're going to be away. So thanks for joining me this morning. I know a lot of people are up already in Israel, of course, and other places in the world. It's the afternoon, so everybody's up. Later this morning, I'll be joined by uh, Tamar Ansh, who is the author of a, a new cookbook entitled Let My Children Cook, a Pesach cookbook for children. So that's great. Just in time for the Pesach holiday, we'll hear about the book and uh, why she wrote it. You'll be able to get it wherever you uh, get your Jewish books. Or you can order them online, wherever you want. So we're going to go right to the music, and we'll let you know what else is happening. 7.30, of course, the morning, Chizuk, and 8 o'clock, our news from Israel. Thanks for joining me here on JM Sunday exclusively on the one and only Nachum Siegel Network.
come light. So where the matches prepared for the world to come. This the practice, never defeated. I was made from eternal fabric.
Lots of great music so far this morning, including this one from Baruch Abud, Animamin. Before that, Ari Boyanju, Isaac Honig, Naftali Kalfa, and Oif Simkas rounded out our first half-hour segment. 7.30 in the morning, Eastern Time, here on uh, JM Sunday. I'm Matis Weingast, and welcome. Thanks for joining me this morning. We are live on Sunday morning, as we usually are. Here on the Nachum Siegel Network, it's a week or so before Pesach, and a lot of preparations going on today and this week, so thanks for joining us and making us a part of your day. I'm sure a lot of people are up early who are in this part of the country, and a lot of people have been up for quite a while who are in Israel. We heard uh, from a number of our Israeli listeners already this morning. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining us. Rabbi Goldwasser coming up in just a few seconds at 8.30 this morning. My guest will be uh, Tamar Ansh. She is the author of a new cookbook, which I'm holding here in my hands right now. It's published by Judaica Press, and it's entitled Let My Children Cook. It's a Passover cookbook for kids. So we will talk to her and find out why she wrote this book and uh, what has she what she has found to be very interesting about uh, writing a cookbook for children and how children cook and young adults can get into the spirit of cooking, and certainly the holiday of Pesach, by doing this. 8 o'clock will be our news from Israel. So that's coming up soon. Programming continues all day long on the stream, JM in the AM.org, NachumSiegel.com, and uh, Nachum will be back tomorrow morning on JM in the AM at 6 a.m., followed by the Israel Show with uh, Mayor Weingarten and Tech Talk. With Arya Lightstone at 10 o'clock. So that's, those two are exclusively on the stream, The Israel Show and Tech Talk. And those come up right after JM the AM, which of course is on jmtheam.org and on the air at 91.1 on the FM dial and uh, a few other carriers around this area. If you want to go and get any other information on the uh, stream and all the programming and the schedule, Go to NachumSiegel.com, N-A-C-H-U-M-S-E-G-A-L.com. And you'll be able to find out what is up and coming on the uh, on the network. So, thanks. Now, those of you who are going away for Pesach have it relatively easy because if you're going away for the entire time, there's not much uh, preparation that you have to do. And uh, that makes life a bit easier. So you'll be going either, uh, people, there are people going before Shabbos already this coming week, this coming Friday, depending on where they're going and how far they have to travel because Monday night is the, uh, is the Seder and begins Pesach. So 
For some people, it's a short week. For us here, it's a full week. And uh, for the next couple of hours, we are with you right here on JM Sunday. At this time, each and every Sunday through Thursday, we present to you Rabbi David Goldwasser. Rabbi Goldwasser's words, L'zecha Nishmaser of Zev, Rav Yosef Halevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. We're going to be continuing with our series on Pesach. The Agoda states, the Torah speaks of four sons, Echad Chacham, Echad Rasha, one wise, one wicked, and so on. Hagoyen Rav Yisrael Lubchansky asks, Why does Hagod identify the son as a Chacham, wise? It would seem that the title of Tzaddik, as the opposite of Rasha, would be more appropriate. Chazal tell us a Masech Tatamid, Ezel Chacham, who is truly wise? Haroyes Anoilad, one who sees what will happen in the future. The author of Kelm states that Chazal's use of the word sees indicates that the wise person not only thinks about and contemplates the outcome of his actions, but he actually visualizes it. He sees it in his mind's eye. The Chavina Rav adds that there is a fascinating idea which is alluded to in the Gemara. It discusses an oath that is made to abstain from something which doesn't yet exist. For instance, an unborn calf. The Chabina Rav explains that some people actually perceive the future as already existing in the present, unlike others to whom the future is a nebulous haze. In addition, the Yosha Mesila states, one needs to see his deeds as well as the path along which his endeavors will take him. The deed in and of itself may be good. However, he may observe upon reflection that its direction will ultimately lead him astray. Rabbeinu Yonah explains in Shari Tshuva that man's urgent desire for something is what prompts him to do wrong. For example, to steal a piece of bread because he is hungry. Although he's understandably aware that he may very well be brought to justice and be penalized more than the stolen piece of bread is actually worth, nevertheless, he commits the offense the reason, concludes Rabbeinu Yonah, is because he didn't in fact visualize the retribution in a concrete and a real manner. Similarly, the Mishnah tells us, look at three things and we will not come into the grip of sin. Know from where you came, where you are going, and before whom you will give justification and reckoning. The Chachamim used the Lashon of Histakel, to look, rather than to reflect. The reason is because we are obligated to look at life from a Torah perspective and to see it as if it was clearly in front of us. That is how the tzaddik became a chacham. The Russia, however, is not interested in looking. He acts impulsively in the here and now. The chacham, however, looks into the distance. He tries to see what will be the effects, the results of his actions. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day. Did you ever feel lonely? Did you ever feel lonely with people all around you? No one's found you.
well, it's a mess. Life in the desert is better than anything you've got here. You see, we don't want to be here. There's so much that we can take. Our people have been mistreated, and that was a big mistake. The world that you see around you, soon it will be no more. So now I have come to warn you, we want to go out the door. Into the sea, into the sea. Go through the sand and into the land of milk and honey. In Egypt they work us night and day, so in their land we cannot stay. We're letting you know our people must go now into the sea. Joseph came on down to Egypt, that is because he was sold. He saved all Egyptian people, because of dreams he foretold. But now you forgot our people, who saved you from famine's fate. Guess you just did not remember, who put food right on your plate. Into the sea, into the sea. Though you may beat us, you cannot defeat us, take it from me. Our songs you threw into a brook Once past the sea, we off the hook You take the Saurus, we'll do the Horus Into the sea, into the sea Life will be sweet here, we will be free from slavery Say no to pyramids today Let's go to the desert and let's pray We'll break your spirit, you've got to fear it Into the sea The blood will be red, the fish will be dead Let our people go. For assert your skin, the hail won't be thin. The locusts eat crops, the darkness is in. Your firstborn will die, and Pharaoh, you'll cry. Let our people go.
the who one and the only Shlomo Kalbach with Adir Who. That goes back quite a number of years. A live in concert performance. Aspaklaria before Reb Shlomo, and we heard from Schlockrock into the sea. Piskuli from Simcha Liner and uh, new music from Eli Schubel. We are one. Followed uh, morning physics with Rabbi Goldwasser. Eight o'clock in the morning Eastern time here on JM Sunday. My name is Matis Weingast. Thanks for listening and joining us this morning. JM Sunday is brought to you by Adorama, located at 42 West 18th Street in New York City. The number there to call, 1-800-223-2500. Adorama is much more than a camera store. It is the official electronics retailer of the Nachum Siegel Network. For all your electronic needs, including cameras, audiovisual equipment, electronics, portable entertainment, iPods, iPads, and much, much more. Adorama Imaging and Beyond since 1975, official sponsor of the Nachum Siegel Network. Why not give them a call today? If you're going away for Pesach or if you'll be traveling anywhere during Cholamoe, checking out the sites and you want a camera or upgrade your camera so that you can take pictures, call 1-800-223-2500. Let them know that you heard about them on JM Sunday on the Nachum Siegel Network. And they'll be more than happy to take care of you. And uh, we thank them for being a sponsor of the network. The programming continues all day long here on the stream, NachumSiegel.com. A lot of Pesach music in the mix. Tomorrow morning, Nachum will be back 6 a.m. on JM in the AM, followed exclusively on the stream by the Israel Show, hosted by Mayor Weingarten, and Tech Talk by Arya Lightstone. That's at 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock, respectively, exclusively on the stream, following JM in the AM. If uh, you get a chance, when you're on Facebook, don't forget to like our Facebook page, JM Sunday. Appreciate that very much. Coming up at 8.30, I'll be uh, joined by Tamar Ansh, who is the author of a new cookbook entitled Let My Children Cook, a Judaica Press publication. So we'll make sure to, to find out what's new in the world of children cooking for uh, for Pesach. Usually at this time, we are joined by Hannah Levy-Julian, as our news correspondent from Israel, unfortunately, due to unforeseen circumstances, she will not be able to join us this morning. So it falls upon me to tell you about the news from Israel. And uh, in today's cabinet meeting, Prime Minister Netanyahu said, in recent months, the state of Israel has conducted negotiations with the Palestinians in order to reach a peace agreement. Israelis expect peace, a genuine peace in which our vital national interests are assured with security first and foremost. He went on to say that uh, the talks have been carried out for the last many months and difficult decisions were made, including the release of many prisoners. Then he continues to say, To my regret, as we reach the moment before agreeing on the continuation of the talks, the Palestinian leadership hastened to unilaterally request to accede to 14 international treaties. Thus, the Palestinians substantially violated the understandings that were reached with American involvement. The the statement from Prime Minister Netanyahu went on to say that uh, unilateral steps taken on the part of the Palestinians will be met by unilateral steps taken on the part of Israel. But uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu stressed that we are ready to continue the talks, but not at any price. That took place uh, 
earlier today in Israel at the beginning of the weekly cabinet meeting. There was something else I wanted to uh, mention to you, and I'll see if I can catch that uh, catch that pretty quickly here. Uh, we, uh, of course, when you're trying to do something on the fly, it doesn't uh, doesn't always come out the way you want it, but. There was something I wanted to read to you and tell you about regarding a uh, an archaeological find that was announced this past week. But of course I can't find it this second, so maybe we'll get to it another time. Right now in Israel it's 80 degrees, going down to a low of 62 this evening, and uh, it's still sunny there right now as they are seven hours ahead of us. It's uh, it's only about 35 degrees here in the North New Jersey area, going up to a high, though, of 59 degrees, and um, dipping back down to 38 degrees later on this evening. Clear today, so it should be a nice day overall, uh, without question. And that uh, yeah, looks like we're going to have to go back to the music right now because I cannot find that particular article that I wanted to discuss with you. So, nothing wrong with going back to some music, right? <laughs> we actually have another selection up by uh, Eli Schwebel entitled Don't Stop Giving Love from his album Heart's Mind. Right here on JM Sunday, that's where you can find the music. And thanks for joining me this morning. And every Sunday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on the stream. We are here. We'll be here next Sunday, which is the Sunday of Bedikas um, Chametz, Searching for the Chametz, which will take place Sunday night, a week from tonight. And we will be here on Cholomoed Pesach also with a uh, live edition of JM Sunday. Uh, we don't stop for anything. It is, as a matter of fact, we've been able to do a run of JM Sunday straight without missing a Sunday. Uh, since the inception, back in September of uh, 20, 2012, yeah, we started, wow, um, back then, because there has not been a Yom Tov on a Sunday, so we have not had to skip, there's been an Erev Yom Tov, but we have not had to skip a JM Sunday, and I think that's going to continue until uh, until later on this year, so hey, we enjoy it, and thanks for listening, everyone. 8.06 in the morning, Eastern Time, and here is Ellie Schwebel on JM Sunday.
by Dove Hendler here on JM Sunday. Matis Weingast with you. Thanks for joining me this morning. It is 8.32 in the morning Eastern Time right here on JM Sunday, exclusively on the Nachum Siegel Network, nachumsegel.com. Thanks to everybody who has, uh, who has uh, reached out to me today and uh, sent good wishes, as always. Thanks for listening. I want to uh, give a Mazel Tov wish to some very good friends of ours, Harvey and Janet Grossbard announced the engagement of uh, of their son Yair Grossbard to Aviva Lloyd, the daughter of good friends of ours, Rhonda and Yona Lloyd. And uh, that is a great Mazel Tov wish going out to all the families in Israel and around the world. And it is very exciting to hear that was announced a couple of days ago, and this is our first opportunity to wish them all a, a tremendous Mazel Tov. I did find that article about the 3,800-year-old uh, tunnel that was discovered in Ir David recently and announced. Uh, but I'm not going to be able to go into it now. Uh, suffice to say that it is just another proof that we've been there a very, very long time. Not that we need uh, the archaeological proof, but it is there. And as a matter of fact, I was talking to Mayor Weingarten on Friday. Uh, there was a recent article in um, in one of the archaeological magazines and uh, it is uh, it is amazing. A lot of people don't realize it, uh, and many of us don't have to worry about it or think about it. But the fact is that there are dozens and dozens of archaeological proofs uh, for many people that are um, spoken about in Tanakh. And uh, I'd love one day to be able to have a series of uh, of talks on the show here about those, because it is quite interesting and uh and it's also amazing from a uh, historical standpoint to be able to go to a place where you can stand and uh, stand on a spot where uh, 
uh, in, the, for instance, in Malachim Aleph, a, uh, uh, a, the coronation of the king was, is described and uh, described as being on Gihon, and you can stand there where it was. It's absolutely, absolutely amazing. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what we can get to in the, um, in the coming uh, weeks on that. Don't forget that JM Sunday is brought to you by Adorama, located at 42 West 18th Street in New York City, 1-800-223-2500 is the number to call for all your electronic needs. If you need anything for Pesach, if you're going away and you want to take some pictures, then uh, go give them a call and to make sure that they get you whatever it is that you need. Well, my guest this morning is the author of a new Passover cookbook entitled Let My Children Cook. Tamar Anch, welcome to JM Sunday. Good morning. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. And uh, I am holding this book here. It is a beautiful book. Uh, as I said, it's called Let My Children Cook, a Passover cookbook for kids. If my count is correct, it's filled with 84 scrumptious recipes. Tell us, how did you decide to uh, to publish a book specifically for children for cooking for Pesach? I've been cooking with my kids since they're little. And I have two other cookbooks for, for adults already out. A friend of mine about two years ago made a comment to me about wouldn't it be great if I made something for Pesach for kids. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought it would be a really fun project. So in that first week, I just sat down on the computer and said, let's see if I could draw up enough things to actually be a book. And it started just coming out. It came out so nice in the beginning. And the more I did, the more it grew, which that book was actually almost twice the size of what you're holding. We had to pare it down so that it would be wow. <laughs> not an encyclopedia. Um, and the more I worked on it, the more I saw that it would be a very nice idea and a good project. And why ever not? You know, the kids enjoy cooking. Why shouldn't they have something that's easy to use and colorful? Absolutely. And that's how it came to be. And you you live in Israel, so you only have one Seder, so I guess you can have another cookbook next year for another Seder. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have volume two, so you know, for those of us here, uh, we'll have we'll have more to try for for next year if you do the if you do more. But uh, you have all different varieties here, uh, all different topics. I uh, I flagged some of them because I wanted to ask you about them, but uh, and we'll get to those in a couple of minutes. Uh, and it's interesting the way you have it set up, which is in the book, which is really nice because you have uh, after the introduction, you have cooking and safety tips which are really good for adults also, but you particularly have them in for children, and they're very important. Uh, did you find that uh, this is something you, uh, you you realize that maybe even adults don't realize should be done when they go into the kitchen? Well, to me, it was an achrayas, it was responsibility that you're putting out a book for kids. I didn't want it to look like a license that you could suddenly just open up your mother's kitchen and do whatever you were very well pleased. So I said, if you're putting, once you put something down on paper, you really have to be very careful with who's going to read it. Not everybody uses their seichel in the kitchen, and not everybody realizes that a kitchen could be a dangerous place besides a fun place. So I decided that I wanted to put down at least the main points that any parent or any mother or anybody who's been in the kitchen knows to implement, but not everybody is going to know to be careful about. Like, I wouldn't want, as much as I love my kids in the kitchen, I wouldn't want them going in there if I'm not home right. and turning on all kinds of appliances. I want somebody in the kitchen with them. So I didn't want to put out a book that says use a food processor and not explain how to use one. 
So at one point, it said in every recipe, make sure to have an adult turn on the food processor, things like that. And one proofreader said to me, why are you writing it everywhere when it said it in the front? I thought, how do you know the kid read the front when they're only looking, maybe they only looked up the recipe and they didn't read the front? Now, that's why also a lot of the recipes, they, some of them do use a food processor, but I tried as much as possible to do things that didn't have to use equipment because I wanted to know that the kids could do it safely. You know, a 12 or 14-year-old could certainly use a food processor, but I want them to know not to stick their hands inside. Right. It's something they just may not realize, especially without having the experience. And, you know, when something is stuck or you have to pull out, a, let's say, a piece of uh, food that didn't get chopped up and you have to move it around, you know, to pull out the plug first and do whatever you need to do. That's very smart. And, uh, you know, thank you for doing that. I do see that that's on the uh, Some people don't know what the pusher piece is for the right. food processor. Right, exactly. A lot of people don't know. And you, you, that's absolutely vital. You cannot put cucumbers or carrots out a food processor without that pusher. Right, they think it's just covering the hole, right? It's just something to cover the hole. <laughs> it's there for decoration. <laughs> right, the right. Store. <laughs> but that's absolutely that, that's absolutely brilliant. Uh, and you put that in, and it's fine. And also, you give tips here that as uh, people learn how to cook, they'll they'll of course not only from the safety point but just in terms of learning how to do certain things like how how long to cook something so it tastes good and doesn't get overcooked or undercooked um, and that's mm-hmm. all part of the learning experience also for someone who's never done it before mm-hmm. so that's yes, absolutely you know if you, if you take a chicken cutlet it's delicious if you cook it for 15 minutes but it's really awful if you left <laughs> it in the oven for an hour <laughs> right, right. or even 20 and i know that because i made that mistake so as long <laughs> sure. as i made it you now, have did you try all these particular recipes at home with your family before putting these particular ones in there? Like, have your children or people that you know actually done these recipes? I say most of them, yes, because a lot of them you can make without being Pesach. You know, the pastel-colored soup, we make it every single week. Right. Chicken soup, what Jew doesn't know how to make that, you know, matzo balls. My family personally doesn't brook on Pesach, uh-huh. but I make them for Rosh Hashanah and I make them for Shabbos Hanukkah and I, and, and I, we, I happen to really like them. Just on Pesach, we don't have them. Right. The Moroccan-style casilta fish, I make it at least once a month. Um, lots and lots of stuff in here. There's things in here you could use them for a simple, easy weekday meal like meatloaf. What's so hard about a meatloaf? Right. You, know, you could use it on Pesach, you use it not on Pesach. Exactly. The things at the end where I go into the frozen... The frozen fun stuff with yeah. the, the milkshakes and the iced coffee. So iced coffee, I invented that because there's an ice cream store down the street, and the iced coffee was really expensive, and the kids didn't <laughs> like it. And I discovered if you just freeze your own, freeze your own milk. I do it in little cups because otherwise my mixer breaks. But um, and you, it comes out really delicious. And then that became like a special treat, like for Rosh, for Rosh Chodesh or for a very hot summer day. And so you could certainly have it on Pesach. Why not? If you've got a blender, there's nothing chametz about it. Of course. So um, I put all those things in there because I know as, a, as an adult, when the kids were little, you'll have long stretches of the day. They don't want to eat like a big meal all over again. But you give, them a mil- you give them a fruit shake or a milkshake and you make them french fries and you get them to eat a small piece of fish, like you can be finished and then they could go to sleep. And you don't have to make such a big pachkari out of it, but they were happy because that's what they like to eat. Sure. The name and of the... you and your husband could sit down and have, a, have, a, and have salmon steaks and, and, and broccoli salad or whatever it is you're going to eat. Exactly, exactly. The name of the book is Let My Children Cook. Tomorrow Anch is my guest. It's a Judaica House, Judaica Press publication. And uh, have you heard from people, I'm sure you have, uh, who've told you that once their uh, their youngsters have started to cook themselves, they gain a 
greater appreciation for the food and maybe they've tried foods that they have never had before or have never had in a long time. Do you find that happening a lot? I, I got a lot of positive feedback from the book, a lot of people telling me. I would assume that in the next week, because this is the week that we're all starting to cook, right. I'm going to get much more feedback on people actually doing the cooking. I had some early birds, you know, already tell me they bought it for the grandchildren or whatever, and they're already in the kitchen with the grandkids. Um, other people told me they just liked it. But it's some some kids could actually get in the kitchen and do it themselves. Others, I wanted the idea that not everybody has, like, a close family connection and a lot of people don't realize how simple it can be if you're just in the kitchen with them it doesn't have to be a big pachka it doesn't have to be a five layer cake but if you're in there and like you you want you help them make the shish kebabs and then they'll sit they won't eat dinner but if they did it themselves and they sit down and eat it then they will eat it you know and what did it take already you took you took skewers and you put food on the skewer it just looks different than it's plain on the plate And and at least my kids were really fussy when they were little and i needed tricks like that it used to help a lot Right. So, and sometimes, like, just sit in the middle of the table, and they didn't necessarily want to come to the table, but I would sit there and just take the extra five minutes to arrange it in a fashion that they would be interested in it. And then instead of giving them a potato that they knew, they wouldn't eat a baked potato, but if I cut it in the, in the shape of a French fry and baked it in the oven with a little bit of oil, it came out like French fries. I didn't have to buy it in the store, and which is heavily laden with oil. Right, and then they enjoyed that. And if I gave them vegetables to go with it and maybe a little protein to go, they were done. And then... They ate those vegetables because they looked nice. Of course. <laughs> so. and as you said, many of these recipes, I mean, all these recipes really could be used uh, even on uh, when it's not Pesach. You have something here, the Triple C, crispy chicken cutlets, which looks delicious, okay. sounds delicious. And the only thing that you would substitute, I guess, would be uh, instead of matzo meal. I mean, you could use matzo meal during the matzo year. Matzo meal or breadcrumbs. Yeah. My uh, daughters made it for dinner for us last week. Right. So that's... Uh, By themselves. I didn't do anything. Wow. <laughs> uh, but, I w- okay, I didn't, didn't say that. I wasn't sitting on the couch with my legs up. Right, okay. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> they took care of it that right. night, you know, and, and it came out really good. And they know the safety uh, the safety things in the kitchen yeah, already. Yeah, well, oh, also, well, there's at this point we're not talking about a six-year-old anymore right. but for sure they know the safety things right. yeah what would you say i mean obviously with total supervision but when, when is the earliest you would say you should start someone uh getting into the kitchen and uh and letting him or her learn how to cook or help at least sometimes it depends on the temperament of the children like you'll get some kids that really can't sit still so they might not be interested when they're two or three but mine were interested from the time that they were able to get their nose over the top of the table. Wow. So I didn't, <laughs> they wanted to stick their fingers right. in. Right. So sometimes I would just give them like, you know, plops of cookie dough and then they would show them how to roll it and they were very, I have one daughter who was so good even though she was only three and she could make these beautiful little ballies. So why should I ball it when she wasn't <laughs> happy to, she enjoyed it. Um, my, exactly. even like Chala is something else I'm very involved in. And um, my kids, my son also, they all know how to make challah from the time they're very little. I, I saw my own mistakes, which I've been te- saying over now, like that my first mistake, which I tell parents now, don't think you could cook with them all day in the kitchen. Right. It was a dumb mistake I did in the <laughs> beginning. It gets very tense. They run out of patience, and so do you. And then you're left with this massive mess and no good feeling at all. So I learned to make it, especially when they were younger, in smaller increments of time. You do 15 minutes, 20 minutes, a half an hour. They enjoyed it put it away, give them dinner, take them to the park, let them go to sleep. And when then, when you're alone in the kitchen, finish whatever you, quote, wanted to do all by yourself. Right, exactly. But I, and then when 
they they want of course they eat half the profits. <laughs> <laughs> That's part of the fun. Uh, the same exact apples that you ate all year long. Right. <laughs> did you ever notice that when you're peeling them for a massive pot of applesauce, all of a sudden everyone's eating them as you're as you're cutting them right. up? Right. You yeah. thought you had a hundred apples and then you're left with only. And you have to double it up. Eating. Right. And you just touched on something, and you mentioned it here. Any anybody else that I've interviewed for different cookbooks over the the last uh, years, so. Uh, I, I, I don't see it here unless, unless you put it in. Nobody includes, uh, the fact that you have to save some time for cleanup, like to help clean up as, as part of the whole premise of the cookbook, because you've got to clean up. And that's well, part I of the process. I made sure to put that in there. In my opinion, you're not done until that kitchen's clean. Right, exactly. Oh. So that's, that's, that's good because it's an important thing. You can't just do everything and then walk away and leave one person to take care of everything because mm-hmm. that's not mm-hmm. that's not part of it also and then it gives you the idea of how much time to actually spend on a recipe and uh, and cooking something so you don't feel afterwards like oh it took so long because you plan ahead which is which is great um, something else you have here called scribbled eggs which at first mm-hmm. i thought you're going to drip something on the eggs, like maybe cheese, and then write something on it, which I guess you could do. Uh, yeah, I guess you could do. I didn't think of that. <laughs> right, but but it's an interesting, simple recipe, and uh, that's on it's page scrambled twenty-one. Eggs, but scrambled eggs sounded boring to me. So we right, scrambled eggs. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it sounds a lot different. So you have that. Uh, by the way, is there a Hebrew version of this, or is it in English only? Um, not yet, although a lot of my friends came by and said, if only you had it in Hebrew, I would buy it for my, for my kids. Uh-huh. I said, we're going to see, you know, let it first sell in English, and if and if we like the idea in Hebrew, then we'll worry about it. It's a different market here in right. Hebrew. Right, of course. Yeah, maybe you could take a few uh, a few recipes and put them in. Uh, but also you have to change the uh, – uh, all of the um, ingredients listings and quantities are in, uh, I guess, American uh, – Sizes, I left if you it will. On purpose in teaspoons and cups, right? Which you can do in Hebrew too, but I I didn't leave it only American because I'm assuming this book is selling in Australia and England and Canada also. True. So places that it says a 15 ounce can, like for instance, it will tell you that it's 450 grams. Right. I just saw that. Because and we're the only country still dealing with things like ounces. Everybody else is dealing with grams. Is it, of course. And you also have the uh, the uh, the oven temperatures listed in in Fahrenheit and centigrade because if somebody in one of those countries put it up to 375. <laughs> They would be having yeah. a barbecued flavored chicken wing. It would be a lot more than barbecue, that's for sure. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, that's, that's I, I, once I got used to cooking here, like that was something I had to switch my brain about because I don't cook in Fahrenheit anymore. Right. And uh, my, my since my oven's not digital, it doesn't tell me both. Ah, so I okay. learned how to convert it. It's not such a very big deal. But when I write a recipe, for years I'm writing recipes, everyone likes that I put it in both in both um, temperatures. It makes it easier for anybody who's reading it. Sure. So I did it here, too. You you mentioned you also have some other cookbooks, and you do have one that I, w- I think was published a couple of years back, uh, Pesach, Anything's Possible, uh, right. and that is a cookbook more more f- geared towards adults, but anybody could help with that, of course, and those are recipes that are particularly non-gabrucks and also gluten-free. Am I correct on that? Right. Okay, right, so, completely not Cabral. Right. Now that that it's funny because it, it, it that's interesting how it ties into your other cookbook, which is a taste of challah. <laughs> yeah. Not not for Pesach. It's definitely not for Gabrux, and it's not gluten free. And it's totally hummus. Right. So my husband always jokes that we have to turn the books around in the right. house so you can't see the front cover because exactly. there's challah everywhere. <laughs> right, right. And you have a couple. And you have a couple of other books out also. So how do people um, either get in touch with you to find out about uh, your cookbooks and uh, where are these <clears throat> excuse me, where are these books available? 
So the books are available. First of all, Barnes and Noble took them, and they're, they put them on their display table for the for Passover because they felt that this was a book that's accessible to every kind of Jew. So nice. that's for sure available. It's available all over online, Judaica Press's site, JudaicaPress.com, and then I have a website myself, which is it's fairly new. Um, so the but it's, it lists all my books and exactly how to buy them. It's com or com. Either one will bring you to the same site. Is that available on Pesach, though? Books. I don't know. Before Pesach, can you can you click on a site called thetasteofchala.com? I don't know. I guess you could. <laughs> now, I, I sat there today. I said I better take off some of the challah pictures right. and put up some more Pesach ones. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, well, it, it's not going to drip comments on your computer. Um, <laughs> but there, when you click on them, they'll take you to the sellers that are selling them online so right. you can get it easily and quickly. And, and, for, um, and if you if you order now, it certainly will come before Pesach. Sure, absolutely. Amazon is selling them very, very much. And I, I know they're available everywhere. I myself have not done a Google search, but I know there's a lot of places selling it. Oh, yeah, they they absolutely are. And uh, for people to go to your website, the, the, your name is spelled T-A-M-A-R-A-N-S-H. So people can go there also. Uh, final thing, I, I see that uh, you have in the back also is very interesting – People, can, you have arts and crafts section in here, basically, for people mm-hmm. to make. I used, uh, to be, I used to be what's called in Hebrew a ganan, and I was a, a preschool ah, teacher. Okay, so so not only can they can children get into the cooking, but they can have fun getting dressed up for it. Also, you have uh, a recipe, if you will, for making a Pesach apron, uh, mm-hmm. Pesach placemates, uh, placemats rather, uh, seder table pillows, and wine bottle labels. You can create your own wine bottle label for uh, for your own. Your own bottle is you're going to use it. That's or grape juice for for the kids. So that's really a lot of fun. Also, what what prompted you to do that? Uh, was it because of your experience and figure the two would tie in nicely together? I used to be, like I said, I used to be yeah. a kindergarten teacher, and the spits of the whole year is, are those two and a half weeks that you're teaching the kids about Pesach. Because if they don't go home and know about Pesach for the seder, your entire reputation is down <laughs> down the drain. Right. Um, and kids love to make. The, first of all, the kids get very bored. The adults are so busy. And yeah, you're going to cook, but you're only going to cook in the you know closer to Pesach. What about before that? So if you give them a structured activity to do, they'll nag you less. But they're bored, bored, bored. Right. Absolutely. Um, the placemats. I found that like when I did that, I did. I had the kids do them for each set of grandparents. And they liked it so much, especially when they were little. A picture of them and then and then their name, and then they wrote a little message on it. You know, I love you, Bubby. I love you, Saba, things like that. And then you laminate it, and I sent it off to them. They loved it. They used it for years. They would put their coffee on it and wipe it off. And then you're looking at your grandchild on the, on the kitchen table every morning. So um, yeah. I saw that that was a hit. I did it every year with all the kids in my Absolutely. And my groups as well, and I got the same reaction. So I said, why shouldn't we put it here? We had enough pages. Sure, 100%. I would have. I wouldn't have minded to put another two or three, but we ran out of room. So right, right, there's a, <laughs> there's a limit. Yeah. Uh, like I said, you can do it for next base, like volume two. Yeah. Uh, I want to thank uh, Stuart Schnee for uh, for putting us together. He's a publicist. I guess he works on your uh, on the public relations end of uh yeah, he does a great job. So I want to thank him very much for uh, for helping with this. And uh, my final question is, you know, you, you mentioned in the back, and uh, I, I told you I'd ask you about this. You said that in addition to your family, part of your family is your pet rabbit, Fluffy. So I wouldn't call her part of the family, but she is in okay. this house. Yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, so obviously there's no recipe that uh, Fluffy can help with, but it does bring up the question of, uh, that a lot of people have on what to feed and how to feed their pets on Pesach. And I'm not asking from a you know a halachic perspective here to get into a whole discussion, but for instance, mm-hmm. for, for you, what, what are you able to do? Do you create something yourself or... Uh, 
So last year I didn't realize that there's stuff you could buy. Like there's so many people here all looking what they're going to do with their pets for Pesach. Uh-huh. And all stripes of Jews actually worry about the hummus problems. You can't give the animal hummus. Right. And the regular stuff that you buy, those nuggets, they are hummus. Right. Well, I didn't realize at first. So last year, what did I do? We went to the empty lot next door. There's an empty, like, area that just grows, like, grass out of the walls or uh-huh. whatever. So I kept <laughs> taking grass from the walls. Oh, and, okay. um And we gave her whatever leftover carrots we had. But you can't keep feed a rabbit for eight days like that. Right. And just vegetables. It, it's not good for them. Um, so whatever, the, the, the animal managed last year between the carrots and the grass and whatever else. Great. But then this year I, I spoke to the pet store. There's something called, I know in Hebrew it's called aspeset. I'm not sure what it is in English. I think it's alfalfa. It looks like dried ah. looks like dried hay, Okay. but it's not wheat. And you get a big bag of it. It's just a few pennies. Right. And that the animal actually really enjoys. Oh, great. And, we had hamsters before this, and they were a story unto themselves. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. They, they were crazy. They were just crazy. Um, thankfully, we don't have that anymore. But they also have stuff that you could buy for the animals. You just have to go to the store and ask. Right. So at least here, since the since the store owners are Jewish, they, they know to expect the question. Sure. Um, I'm not sure what you would do in the States, but I know they have that stuff, and it's called alfalfa, and, and there's no hummus in it. Right, excellent. And the excellent. animal likes it. Sure. Well, uh, Tamara, thank you so much again for joining me this morning. I wish you continued success. The uh, name of the cookbook is Let My People Cook. The author is Tamara. Let my children cook. Let, let my ch- <laughs> let my children let cook. My go. Right, let, let my people go. Let my people go. Right. Let, let my children cook. It is a, a Judaica Press publication. Tamar Ange, thank you again for joining me on JM Sunday, and have thank you for a uh, you're welcome, and thank you, and uh, have a great Pesach. You too. It is uh, 8:55 in the morning Eastern Time. We're going to go to some music to wrap up today's show. Gabriel Kahana here on JM Sunday.
Wrapping up another edition of JM Sunday. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Matis Weingast with you. We'll be back here next Sunday, which is uh, the day of Bidikas Chomet. It'll be at night. And uh, then uh, we'll be back on Cholomoyd also. Cholomoyd Pesach. So we'll be continuing right through the holiday. My thanks to Tamar Ench, who joined me this morning. Her cookbook entitled Let My Children Cook is available everywhere, so go get it before Pesach and uh, get your kids into cooking. Uh, hopefully we'll have the return of Hannah Levy Julian uh, next week with the news from Israel. Programming continues all day long on the stream on NachumSiegel.com. And Nachum will be back tomorrow morning on JM in the AM, 6 AM, bright and early. Till next week. Have a great week, everyone. Enjoy, enjoy preparing for Pesach. And we'll catch up with you next week here on JM Sunday.